Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Pause for breath, but probably a lengthy hangover for Norwich City off the back of a 2-1 defeat to Middlesbrough. Welcome to this week's Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast in association to Future Radio. Uh, my name is Connor Southall, joined by Samuel Seaman and Adam Harvey after uh, a frustrating, dejecting, probably all too familiar day at Carrow Road. Um, Adam, I'm, I'm going to start with you because I've got credit with you for this statistic, which completely, it's not even a statistic, it's a, a quote from Dean Smith, completely slipped my head. You, you mentioned it on the walk back up to, to our office. Um, as we record this, what, a couple of hours after the full-time whistle, Dean Smith, before I, I asked him the question, so I should have remembered, really. Um, but pre-Rotherham, he said from the next two games, Rotherham and Middlesbrough, going into the break, Norwich City needed four points min- minimum, obviously would prefer six points. Norwich have got three. Where does that leave him? Where does it leave Norwich City off the back of that defeat? I felt at the time that was a bold statement to be making. You know, that's almost putting pressure on yourself. It, it, I mean, that's going out to the whole fan base. They've all heard that that point, and effectively, he's failed. You know, that's that's failure when you put a target on and you don't hit it. That's a, that's a failure. So, yeah, at the time, I was like, that's a statement. I don't think I'd be making. It's all right saying, you know, we need to extract some points from from these games and we want to put into good performances. But to me. As a manager, you probably don't put a target on it, particularly when there's already a, a fractious relationship with you know him and the fan base and the football club. You know, effectively, is this season been nowhere near good enough at, at this level? So, yeah, to me, I think that's probably going to be a kind of you know a quote that's going to be across social media for the next four weeks, where we've got no Norwich City game and he can't resurrect the sort of mess that we're in. So, yeah, to me, silly statement, and effectively, it's come back to, to bite him. Yeah, it's, it's always interesting when, when managers do that, isn't it? Um, and I, I'm not quite sure what it represents. Maybe I'll come to you on this, Sam, because for, for a head coach to come out and set a points target feels to me quite rare. I mean, he's, he's ultimately put, a, as, as Adam says, put a target on his back to be shot at, essentially, if Norwich City didn't reach that points target. It doesn't leave them in a, in a particularly great place. And obviously, the fact we're reflecting off it at the very top of the pod probably suggests that it, it was a bit of a silly statement, a bit of a silly target to, to set. I guess it looks silly when you don't achieve it, right? Yeah, especially given Dean Smith's relative um, lack of desire to maybe go, go big on press conferences. I think since he arrived, there's been one where we've really said, I think that pre-Stoke, where we've really said he's really gone for it there and he's really tried to convey a message, given he's somebody who doesn't usually go all out in the press conferences and make sweeping statements or do significant things it just felt quite out of character and quite strange especially when he wasn't in a position where he was backed into a corner you know remember this was off the back of um, a win at Rotherham quite an impressive win at Rotherham and a week of um, three unbeaten games he wasn't really forced into saying that at all so I wonder how he'll be feeling about that decision right now I'm sure he's got bigger priorities given what he's just seen from his team but it's one example of the club just not quite getting it right and not quite matching expectations. And as much as they're still in the playoffs as we speak, 
this is a club that's expected to dominate in the Championship um, every single time they're in it, and they pretty much have over the recent future, recent history, obviously. And uh, you know, I think he's really he's really backed the team into a corner there. And uh, you know, I don't want to make it particularly about that. Obviously, we've got a, a game to discuss and and things, but that surely is what every Norwich fan was wanting. It was four points minimum, six points probably. And to come away with three really isn't good enough. And I'm sure apologists will point to the inconsistency of the championship, the fact that the points total to get up will probably be lower this year than it has been previously. Um, you know, there are numerous factors that you could use to defend that. But to me, it's all excuses and it's all things that could have been avoided. You know, they were one nil up against... When you're one nil up at home against Middlesbrough and you've got three points in the last game, you should be getting six points out of that. They haven't had a red card, they haven't had a significant defensive injury or numerous injuries that mean they can't make any more substitutions. You know, there hasn't been a... The floodlights haven't failed with five minutes to go and there's there's not really much mitigation for it that you can talk about there. So I don't know what the defence can possibly be for failing to win that game, let alone losing it. Um... And I'm sure Dean Smith will be feeling the same way and probably feeling rather silly about setting a points total that he's now and his side have, have failed to reach. They put themselves in a really difficult position. Um, I mean, either way, they would have opened themselves up for criticism. But given the fan base is, is you know, really not happy at the moment, it does look quite silly and it does feel quite silly as we sit here looking back on the fact that Norwich have, have failed to get that points total and they failed once again to match expectations and how long have they been doing that for now first game of the season that's what they did they lost to Cardiff um, you know and that, that's that's the way that the season has, has played out so now going into a World Cup break not only did they have a, a, they don't, not only did they have a, a loss to stew on the whole time they've now got a points target that they failed to hit and a situation where everybody's going to be talking about that now for four weeks without any possible chance to, to reconcile that and I think that'll be a worry yeah, I mean, I did speak to him after the game. He he did put some mitigation on it. He spoke about the fitness of, of certain individual players, Sam McCallum, uh, Isaac Hayden, although that's probably not a point that he makes if Norwich City goes on to win 1-0, right? He didn't after Rotherham. Um, so uh, it, it's it's difficult. It, it kind of felt to me, Adam, like an afternoon that summed up what we've seen from Norwich City so far this season. A burst, perhaps a, a longer burst like than usual. I, I felt, and I'd agree with Dean Smith, I think certainly the t- first 25 minutes, but even the first 45 really wasn't bad. It was certainly one of the, the better performances that we've seen from Norwich City this season. But that inconsistency, that ability to throw games away or to not um, put games to bed, I suppose, is really, is really hurting them. And I think it will be the manner of the collapse, the manner and how dramatic that dip was in the second half that allowed Middlesbrough not just back into the game, but also to win the game that will cause concern for supporters. But probably that concern already existed, didn't it? It, it felt like Norwich City had taken three real steps forward and now that's stopped pretty jarring. It's been a pretty jarring stop as well. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting sort of start to the game. I thought Norwich first 10 minutes maybe weren't complete there, but then as soon as that sort of goal went in, and I don't know, the place felt like there was a little bit of a lift, which is something I've not really seen at Carrow Road over recent games. It felt like the atmosphere was marginally better, maybe not still what it used to be of you know, years gone by, but definitely an improvement. Norwich were you know 
had chances. Pookie has has an opportunity. Sergeant has another opportunity. There's you know they cut out some decent opportunities. They're obviously ahead in the game as well. Um, the Borough fans were quite quiet, so that's always you know playing in, playing into Norwich City's hands and and then come out sort of well that latter stages of the of the first half, but particularly the second half and silly mistakes again. I mean Sarah, that's now two games in a row that he's played a a blind ball across in a you know a fairly dangerous position allowed. Well, thankfully for Norwich State Middlesbrough didn't punish him on that occasion, but. It's just those you know mistakes in in the game, and I don't know if that's down to poor coaching or whether it's just you know poor in game play from from the players. But it seems to be a, a regular feature, and one win in six now at Cow Road um, is not good enough by any standards of any team in the Championship, let alone Norwich City, who have you know in years gone by made Cow Road a, a fortress in the Championship, and and now it really doesn't feel like anything like a fortress. It's it's quite the opposite. It feels like it's a a place that away teams want to come and play. Um, you know, I think. I mean, Daniel Farker said about it in the past. Even Dean Smith, you know, they want to make Carrow a difficult place to come. You know, make it hard for for teams to, who often come. Well, most teams used to come to Carrow and they sit, you know, stick ten men and the bus behind behind the ball. But now it's like you know, it's far from that. I feel like Norwich are very open, and you know, teams can exploit them. And Middlesbrough have done that today, and they've got the late goal and the reaction after the game. I mean, Dean Smith kind of said, you know, any any place you know in English football where you've conceded a late goal. You know your fans are going to be angry and and frustrated, but I'm not fully convinced by that statement. I think those boos were much more wider than just the fact that Norwich City have lost one game at home against Middlesbrough late on. Yeah, I I thought they were quite pointed actually. I mean we've we've heard some ripples and some boos um, after games, and, and it's it's not uncommon. This felt quite collective. It felt quite angry. It felt quite pointed, and and only the people I suppose who were involved in that can can really discuss what it was about. But it felt particularly probably pointed at where Norwich City are and that's on the pitch and off the pitch as well and, and that's been bubbling under I would say for the last month or so in in, in fairness. Um, Norwich City I, I was looking actually at the home table uh, is it 11 games at home I, I think five wins three draws three defeats so they've they've now not won as many games at Carroll Road this season than they have won. I mean you, you were sat next to me in Dean Smith's press conference what did you make of his demeanour because it felt to me and it's understandable, but there was a, a shift to put it on maybe what his players didn't do rather than perhaps uh, maybe tactical uh, shortcomings or the way the game flowed in terms of how both he and Michael Carrick managed their teams. Yeah, it's always interesting to, to listen to Dean Smith's reactions after a game. It's very different to, to managers gone by. Obviously, He's look, calculated, isn't he, in yeah. what he says? He obviously tries to, you know analyze the game I think you know he's obviously a man for stats he's not had a chance probably to delve into those yet but yeah I think effectively when they're losing games and he's he's obviously sat there you know and fans feel frustrated maybe at kind of you know his I suppose sort of character in, in press conferences which you can see obviously you know from from his reaction on our, across our channels on YouTube and I mean, obviously, statistically, I think the way he breaks down games is often very good, but it feels like since they've started losing games, it's almost been the blame's been on fitness or whatever, you know, other factor that's not necessarily what Norwich City are doing on the pitch. And obviously, there's been blame at fans and stuff in the past as well. So I think, I don't know, it just feels like, you know, for his sake, maybe he needs to come out and accept criticism rather than actually look at maybe... Norwich should have had a penalty, which is I, I personally disagree with him on that on that one. But he felt that Sargent should have had a penalty, and it feels like that's kind of a regular theme now after every single defeat. It's it's not the fact that Norwich are not taking their clear cut chances. It's oh this didn't go for us today, or this didn't go for us today. Which to me, whenever that's the case with any manager, you kind of on a, you know, with a situation where maybe you know I think supporters have you know probably got a 
almost a gun to shoot him with it in the fact that you know they probably disagree with, with some of the things he's coming out with. Yeah, and 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 also like fans watch the game as well, so so they know how how a game has transpired, and and they're not silly. They can see the flow of games. I mean, I I I mean again, I put the questions to him, and, and he felt it, it was either side fifteen minutes either side of half time. He felt between about seventy minutes, and I think he said about eighty four or a random figure like that. He felt Norwich City were the most likely to win the game. I'm not sure I, I agree with him on that point. Um, I I felt. It was it was a lot of huffing and puffing with a lot of not a lot of end product. But I do take his point that Max Aaron's probably should have done better. Although I'm not sure I described that as a really really clear cut opportunity. It was a good chance, not one that was clear clear cut. Same with probably any of Onel Hernandez um, sort of running down a cul-de-sac and, and making a chance for himself. Um, so, so that that makes it difficult. But Sam, I mean, it's it was if you if you could sum up Norwich City in the opening 21 games in a game of football, it was that, wasn't it? It was. The short burst, the dramatic dip, and then the late sucker punch. Yep, bang on, and I found myself almost apologising as I did the video verdict. I don't know how you're finding new things to say each week because, you know, as you said, that was the ordinary pattern and sometimes they managed to scrape through a 2-1 win. Sometimes they concede a goal but hang on for a draw and sometimes, as we saw today, that um, lack of drive and that willingness and, and ability to fall asleep mid-game loses it for them and I thought that was what it did today. You saw the, the flashes and how many times we turn to each other in, in games and quite often during the first half and say, oh, that was actually quite good, wasn't it? And we say it almost like we're surprised to each, to each other, with each other. When This is what we do, you know, we say this to each other every week and we, we're still surprised when we say it. It's because every week we're left at the end of a game saying to each other, that was pretty bad, wasn't it? You know, and it's it's the same thing really. And, you know, as you said, Dean Smith has adds mitigation to it. And one of his main points this season, as he's been asked that question, is that no team plays well for 90 minutes, apart from, I think, Man City was the only example he could give. And maybe that's true, but you'd like to see them play at their best for longer than 20 minutes. You know, they can surely do that for 40, 50, 60 minutes at least. And what we saw, in my view, was 10 minutes of being OK, 15 minutes of being very good at championship level and then the rest. maths maths yeah <laughs> don't ask me and don't look at me for help you're got, on your I own got, here. i got an a in gcse maths but i think what i've just shown there is more the uh, the ea level I, t- I tell you what you've done you've dived in there with the numbers and lost, <laughs> lost, lost your way it's almost like an Norwich city performance so so oh that you've rescued me you got me back on on point there <laughs> um but no nah, uh i think it was a, a real We'll struggle, struggle for them for uh, 65 minutes. There you go. Struggle for good, 65 good minutes to, uh, to, <laughs> to drive forward and to have any sort of desire. It was almost as if they score the first goal and they think that's it, which is surprising given quite a lot of what they've been through this season. But for me, it's a club that just feels very stale. And I say club and not team on purpose because the team is part of it, but there's very uh, various elements, how the fans are feeling, how we've seen certain things unfold behind the scenes this season that really do just feel almost like um, the I club... tired is, is the word of it. Yeah, tired. And like the club are just sort of trundling on, not really bothered about... What's, I mean, I'm sure they care, but not really... You need to have, in my view, a sort of worry about where 
things are coming from. Even when you're winning, if you're a successful person, you need to be worried about where it's going to go wrong and how you need to head that off. We've seen that from people like Pep Guardiola, I remember in the Champions League final a couple of years ago. He was so worried that he was being figured out that he changed the system that had been so successful and that was what lost him the game. And at that level, you almost need that level of paranoia and to not do it. But with Norwich, it's almost the opposite. It's almost like they've bought that uh, that perception around them, especially outside the Norfolk bubble. Obviously, the fans will always be quite sceptical, but outside the Norfolk bubble, there's very much that, oh, Norwich are in the Championship, so that's my safe bet for first in the league. Done. And... Uh, you know, we've seen that mantra ignore the noise, perhaps championed before, and perhaps that was a big part of their success in the 2018-19 season or 2017-18, where they probably did need to ignore that, ignore the noise a little bit to then not sack Daniel Farker and not give up on the football that won them the, the league the season after. Um, and I think the position they find themselves in now is that that ignore the noise mantra, you know, I'm not going to delve back into our situation again, there's been enough of that, but that ignore the noise mantra does appear to be falling down here, there and everywhere around Norwich City Football Club. And perhaps there has been a little bit of an attitude of we've been here before, everyone knows we're going to win the league and therefore we are. And that's what it feels like looking at things out on the pitch. I'm not saying consciously, you know, you've got Grant Hanley there saying, oh, well, that's the game one. But subconsciously, is there that hunger? Is there that desire from players who are probably being paid less than they were last year, players who have already earned two or three promotions to put on their CV and players who... I've probably seen clubs they've played for previously surpassing Norwich and getting into the Premier League. Play teams they've competed with like Leeds, um, Brentford, going and succeeding and looking like they could go on and be established Premier League clubs. Do you have that hunger from those sorts of players? And is there that hunger to go, you know, there's nothing more important to me right now than going and beating Middlesbrough? Doesn't really feel like it to me and I think that's part of the, the problem is that that ability to to fall asleep and it fits with that tiredness really so um yeah it's a bit dull having to watch this this pattern over and over again probably teaches us next time to stop looking at each other at half time and say that was all right you know because I, I don't think that's that's an indication of where the result's going anymore that's certainly not how it's felt this season there's, there's a there's a feeling and there's been a feeling all season um and it's it's hard to put it into words and to express it but but people who have seen Norwich City this season consistently will know what I'm talking about this kind of downward momentum is is the best way that I can describe it the staleness maybe that that you describe um and it, it's very hard to work out what is causing that and, and and you know you could delve into numerous factors numerous factors on the pitch and off the pitch but I think for me what's obvious is there's not a togetherness. And, and, and when, I, when I say that, I mean between the people in the stands, the people on the pitch, the people in the director's box, it just isn't there. And, I, and I'm struggling off the top of my head to think of a football club that achieves anything without it. And when, when you have that situation and um, you, are, you do have that feeling and that feeling that I'm finding very hard to articulate, but everyone will know what I mean, that feeling that a game's going to transpire in a certain way the feeling that a season is going in a certain way, the feeling that actually Norwich City are probably where they are in the league because of the overall quality of the championship. It's not, it's not the biggest compliment in the world. The fact that there's maybe a, a reactiveness to everything that Norwich City are doing on and off the pitch. Um, this feeling that something feels like it needs to shift and someone needs to grab hold of it and yet it just kind of feels like it's slipping through everyone's fingers. It's hard to know what the answer or the solution is to that. Um, 
and it doesn't really feel like a four week break is 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 going to do the trick, does it? It might it might help them reset in terms of mood, but you you look at the run of games they've got when they come back, uh, and we'll get into the World Cup uh, break in, in a little while. It's a difficult run between basically Swansea on December the tenth to to the to the beginning of February. They're playing teams who are in and around them. And Middlesbrough, I think, will be far closer to the top six than they will the bottom six come the end of the season. Um, and it was a test that, for me, I, I was quite concerned about pre-match and probably transpired in the way that I feared it would. But to take it back to Dean Smith, and I, I don't want to make this a Dean Smith uh, pod, really, in terms of um, criticising him, because there's plenty, of, there's plenty of people who did that already, really. And I think a lot of the criticism are, are, are obvious. But I would throw this one in. Michael Carrick has been middle. This was his fifth game today as Middlesbrough manager, and I do. And, and I'll caveat this by saying I do think a lot of their under, underlying data has been a lot better than the results they've got, and um, they they do create a lot of chances and they don't concede any. And that that is the benchmark in terms of statistics of a good football team. They will be, as I said, towards the top half. Dean Smith feels they're in a false position as well, but to have a coach who's had five games in charge, and yet. The team looks more cohesive, more fluent, has a clear identity, style of play. Didn't alter in that either with the ebbs and flows of the game that Dean Smith spoke about. That's, that's a worry, isn't it, Adam? I mean, how, how do you dress it up as anything other than, than, than a concern? When, when you're in a situation where you've got someone who's never been a manager before, apart from a handful of games at Manchester United as a caretaker, is able to come to Carrow Road with a team in good form, who have good players at this level, but haven't performed well this season on the whole in terms of pure results. And they managed to produce a performance like that. They managed to wrestle control in the manner that they did. But also that this Norwich City team is just so unresponsive and unknowing as to how to produce a response. Yeah, I mean, you always get kind of that initial manager bounce, but this is the fifth game now for Michael Carrick and... You only got to look at the scenes after the game. You know, he seems like he's already got a very, very strong bond with the fans, which I think is key to to any success of any team. Um, they're obviously chanting his name, and I always find it interesting that in those post match reactions, almost the first comment of every single coach from the opposition is, you know, Norwich are a terrific team. They've got got really, you know, great players, and yet this Norwich team have, have won one in six at Carrow Road, and and I think a lot of it does boil down to the coaching. I think Michael Carrick, obviously, he's been at Manchester United, there, one of the elite teams in in the world, and. He, Obviously, that's a great foundation to to build off for his you know coaching career now. But um, it's obvious that he's doing work on the training pitches. You know, they've obviously looked at the weaknesses of Norwich and they've exploited them very very well. And and I don't feel that Dean Smith maybe even despite the fact that you know there's obviously that sort of maybe his approach is more look at the opposition where Daniel Fark was very much you know this is our style, this is the football we play, and we're not going to adapt from that. Despite that, you know, Norwich for me didn't really target Middlesbrough's weaknesses today. Um, we, and yeah, that's again just to me down to poor coaching. And my biggest concern is if it gets to the other side of this World Cup break and, and Norwich say don't pull out any results in those in those first two games and that Blackburn home game here, you know, just before Christmas. And if Norwich don't get a result in that, I just worry that you know the sort of toxic nature around Carrow Road is only going to grow bigger. And sort of the arguments that maybe Dean Smith as a coach isn't isn't up to the task at Norwich is, is only going to grow louder. And then there's going to be you know even more criticism angled at the club in terms of maybe they should have sacked him and, and gone down a fresh managerial approach and maybe a rebrand of you know this is the way we're going to go forwards now for the rest of the season rather than this kind of stale feeling around the club and there's unity you, you said about it um is is key to success there's not that at Norwich at the moment and yet Michael Carrick you can see it in that Middlesbrough you know reaction after the game 
they've already got that and that's taken five games which deems for spinner a year and yet Norwich are progressing backwards not forwards and, and that's a major concern going into this break it feels like everything is hinged on a feeling of hope we hope this is going to happen we hope this group of players is going to be good enough to get us into the top two we 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 hope and and, and that's that's very different to sort of well, obviously knowing but but also the feeling of it around it it just doesn't feel like a team that's going to end up being successful because of the flaws that it has and I'm talking purely on pitch here in terms of how drastically it dips and ultimately whether Norwich City for me at this moment in time are winning football matches comes down to how many goals they score in their periods in their bursts that's not sustainable to win football matches in the long term and and, and he's right and, and Angus Gunn is right and players are right when they say it's unrealistic to expect a 90 minute performance because there's so many different facets of the game particularly with five substitutions that can swing the pendulum but it's not unrealistic to expect Norwich to have more of the ball at home. It's not everything, but it, it's not unrealistic to expect that. It's not unrealistic to expect Norwich City have control of, of the majority of matches, even if there's a little spell from their, their opponents. And it's not um, unrealistic to expect them to manage games in a better way than they do, to, to manage their performance levels in a much better way than they, than they do, to prevent what are sort of seven out of ten performances, eight out of ten performances, becoming four or five out of 10 performances and that happens really quickly and really drastically and when it does it becomes very difficult to arrest and it's very difficult to know how a four-week break is going to fix that Sam isn't it because they feel like structural fundamental issues within and I'm just talking on pitch here Norwich City's flaws and again it's very difficult to know where to distribute that too because Dean Smith would argue there's been injuries he would argue that there's lot, lots of mitigation for various reasons. He's not had a left-back. He's not had Isaac Hayden for a large chunk of this opening half of the season. But it's very difficult to look at it, objectively or subjectively, with all of the statistics, with all of the numbers, with the feeling, with the performances, and come to any other conclusion that this is a Norwich City group that is underperforming. Yeah, and it's not just a four-week break when you look at the fact that, you know, for being honest, the chances of them firing Dean Smith in the near future are very, very low. They're not going to be able to spend money in January unless they make significant sales. And I can't imagine there's too many clubs out there keen to make significant investment in that Norwich City squad. Um, it's it's going to be the same group for six months, at least. And it's going to be the same type of feel about it. And perhaps the summer, I imagine this is more likely if they don't go up, but the summer might give them a more of a chance to reset with the number of contracts they have up and perhaps a situation that forces them into a little bit of a similar one they were in as, as 2017, when obviously Stuart Webber was tasked with finding all those players on the cheap, um, you know, a lot from Germany and, and from sort of more obscure obscure leagues and clubs um, from within Europe. And that might give them the opportunity to change things. But for now, you just have to hope that they get better. and uh, Hope. But that's, that this again. is the problem. This is the problem. There's no real indication that they are going to get better and what's quite scary as as we've spoke about regularly and I know you said you don't want to make it about D- Dean Smith and you know that's totally fair but I think it's a very relevant point to make in this scenario is that Dean Smith hasn't really improved anyone in that Norwich squad Josh Sargent has has got quite a lot better in terms of his productivity but even Dean Smith explained that as a drop down in a division when when asked about it the other day 
so you look at things and you say, okay, if you've got a head coach who hasn't really managed to improve anyone in this group and nobody's going to be brought in, um, where's it where's it going to change from? And and why are they going to do anything other than underperform? You know, they've got a squad that's done it in the championship plenty of times and obviously we went over that, that whole sort of hunger desire element. But in terms of the footballing ability, and this is what the head coach has to get out of the team, by the way, if you've got players that have the footballing ability to do it, there's no excuse, in my view, unless there's some sort of major you know, injury crisis. But you'd have to have an injury crisis that lasted for three months for this to, for this Norwich team not to be right up there with the favourites. For, for I, I, think, I think, just on that point, I think there's only been one game where I've looked at a Norwich City eleven and thought, yeah, individually, collectively... That is not as good as the opposition. That was Burnley when they did have a lot of injury issues, and yeah. Jonathan Tompkinson was playing at centre back, and there, there was mitigation. They obviously went on to lose that game, but I think this adds to your point. In pretty much every other game, I felt yeah, that's a Norwich City team that's good enough to beat the team that it's playing today. Yeah, I totally agree with that, and uh, you have to also call on the players because as much as Dean Smith maybe hasn't improved anybody, you look at things, and, and even if they had stayed the same, is anybody doing as well as? They were the last time Norwich were in the Championship. Has Kenny McLean had anywhere near as good a season as he did the last one under Daniel Farker? Grant Hanley and Ben Gibson, the best defensive duo, in my view, in the Championship the last time they were there, look quite shaky at the moment and people are worried about Ben Gibson. When when they see Ben Gibson's name on the team sheet, there's a little bit of a, <laughs> a, little bit of a murmur amongst the fan base. And why is that? Um, you know, So you have to also look at the players. But it's very much a case of this squad is, as you said, I remember looking at the things, the, the team news for Cardiff, looking at those players, it was almost every single one of these players is better than their counterpart. And um, to be failing to the extent that they are to reach that potential, it's not, it's, you know, they're not even as good as, uh, the, you know, the sum of their parts. They should be way better. Any football team should be way better than the, the sum of their parts, especially when you're at Norwich City, a club that, spend so much time on data and innovation and finding ways to squeeze out every last percentage that they can. You've got the talent of the, the, of any any team in the whole of the EFL and they're, you're probably squeezing out 60%. So what does that say for their ability from Dean Smith upwards to squeeze out every last percentage from the money that they've invested and the talent that they've got? Uh, does it say a great deal? And it is quite worrying. It does show, as you as you suggested, that you can't come to any conclusion other than that they're seriously, seriously underperforming. Yep. Uh, Dean Smith said after the game that he, he felt Norwich City needed to come back as a, a different animal. Uh, quite what animal that is, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. feels a bit like a unicorn at the moment. Um, just just on, on that point, Sam, because, uh, Adam, sorry, because Dean Smith is the target. He is getting a lot of the criticism. You only need to open social media to see that. And that's been the case regularly throughout this season, um, in, in fairness. There's been a consistent, at least there's something, something consistent about Norwich City's season in that regard. But how much of this run, of this underperformance, of this opening portion of the season that, that we've spoken about needs to be put on this group of players? Because everyone talks about it. You, you referenced it earlier on. Every, every opposition coach comes in a press conference. This is a really good team. They have really good players. They should be, um, or they will be challenging uh, at the top end of, of the division. Dean Smith always referenced the, the kind of embarrassment of riches that he has. You only need to look at Norwich City's left-back situation. Sam McCallum, Dimi Yanula, centre-backs, Grant Hanley, Ben Gibson, championship titles between them. Uh, Right-back, Max Aaron, Sam Byram, goalkeepers, Angus Gunn, Tim Crew. We could go through the whole squad. We don't need to. That's just the defence. So how much of this 
is down to underperformance from the players in terms of themselves as a collective, as individuals. Dean Smith referenced post-match that he didn't feel that they're, they're winning the ball well enough and he felt that that's been a regular theme since he arrived at the club. Yeah, how, how, how much are you willing to attribute this down to the players? I think they've got to take a proportion of the blame. You know, the this squad is is more than capable of being any team in this league on its day. You know, and I don't even think that's necessarily down to Dean Smith in terms of coaching. I think, irrespective of that element, you know, Norwich City should be beating teams at home that they've lost to this season. Um, there's been the injury issues, but you look at the squad depth of this squad, and you you just spoke about it. You know, Norwich have got players who are like third in reserve that would start probably in most championship teams. Um, Jordan Hugo's a great example. Yeah. I, I think there's probably 20 championship clubs that would have him leading the line, right? Yeah, and I, I, you know, the other side of the break, Dean Smith already said it at one of the press conferences the other day, he's going to have basically a, a fully fit squad. So if that Norwich City team doesn't pick up the performances and the players don't start to give something back on, on the pitch and, and start pulling out some results, then there's going to be some serious questions asked, not just of Dean Smith, but probably of them as well. Um, there's probably a few that can probably you know take themselves away from blame. I think someone like Josh Sargent's had a, a great season across the board, but there's a lot of players that are making silly mistakes. It's not just one-off mistakes. This is a, a regular occurrence, and I don't know whether that's something that's on the training pitch is not being spoken about enough because I've never seen a team that makes this sort of level of costly mistakes and giving away big opportunities to, to opposition so regularly as what Norwich have done this season. I mean... It happens. It's football. You know, mistakes happen. But this is a regular theme. So, yeah, these players have got to up the performance, and we've not seen a, a good performance all season. And, and that's not just down to Dean Smith. That is also, you know, the players have got to take an element of blame. But there's also going to be this this coaching thing. You know, the Middlesbrough players weren't performing up to scratch. Michael Carrick's come in. He's revitalised them. And then look at them today. They were they were superb in that second half, and they they more than merited the the result they got. So. You've got a feel that maybe is it is it you know just down to the the hunger element that we've already spoken about is someone like a you know team of Pukki is is his, maybe his head not fully switched on to Norwich is that why his performances have, have tailed off he's you know he's a lethal goal scorer in this league in in the past two times he's been in here and yeah he's not really looked like himself probably can say he's had a lack of service but again you know there's just a lot of silly mistakes um, poor performances on the pitch and I don't think these people can take. Full blame for that. The players have got to be better. Um, the injury issues haven't helped, but the other side of the break, if, if Norwich aren't you know, up in their performances and the players are still making the costly mistakes they are, then I think irrespective of whether the players you know, are taking any blame, Dean Smith is probably going to be the man that all the blame is going to be laid on and it could cost him his job. Yeah, agreed. And, and, and you know, we've, we've, I've already touched upon the tough run they've got after the break, but that that is almost going to be the period, isn't it? Because he's going to have a fully fit squad. He's he's going to have kind of no excuses. We're, we're going to be able to see everything and assess where Norwich City are. And if this continues, this inconsistency, um, both in terms of results and in terms of performances, then I don't think we need to say where this ends up. Everyone knows where it will where it will end up, and and that's not good for Norwich City. And and also, I mean, just to to touch upon there, the fact they have eight players and fairly senior players as well out of contract next summer. He might feel it's helpful in terms of lifting performance levels, but uh, I think that lack of, of clarity over people's future doesn't help at all, really. Um, but hey-ho, that's just my view. Uh, Sam, in, in terms of positives from this afternoon, um, Gabby Sara, that, that, that felt like a, a step forward again. There was a lot to like there, particularly probably in Norwich City's best spell of the game. Yeah, I thought he was perhaps representative of the team 
on a wider basis in that the quieter he was, the the worse Norwich probably were in an attacking way. And well, that, that that shows you a good player, really, doesn't it? If you've got one one player that drives forward your attacking elements, um, that makes all the difference. Obviously, as Adam referenced earlier, there was a quite a good chance for it to be two goals gifted to the opposition in similar ways in two games, but. Given he got away with that, it's probably fair to, to praise him this time, as I basically refused to last week. And I thought his his ability to drive forward and make things happen was really exciting. He maybe hasn't got that that spark and the desire to sort of, you know, make you know flicks and and clever dribbles and good on the ball movements. But I think his his willingness to drive attacks forward, try and make things happen, try and get the ball forward, most importantly, reminds me a little bit maybe of Marco Stiepemann in that every time he gets the ball, you feel he's looking for Tamer Pukki immediately and he's thinking, what's the best way we can score from this? Um, and I'm really impressed with not only his on-the-ball ability, but off the ball as well. And we've spoken about it a few times, but his runs are fantastic. His movement is fantastic ahead of the ball and it causes chaos in the defence when you've got him going from quite deep on the pitch, often charging through two or three markers, confusing the opposition and getting his, his way into the box. I think that causes havoc for opposition defences and is a real weapon. You can start to see why Norwich was so impressed. I still think he's got a way to go if he's to justify the price tag that's on him, especially given Norwich City's current financial position and the fact that they're in the Championship at present. Um, but I thought we saw the sort of performance that if he produces every week, he could well be Norwich City's player of the season. Didn't manage to cap it off with an assist or a goal today, um, although he was obviously heavily involved in that first one, very nearly a, a nice pass to Pukki, who probably scores instead of Sargent. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is a positive. Um, it's challenging to try and, and think of them, but you know, watching him, you do see the signs of a player that... that Football fans love to watch. Um, and as I said, he maybe doesn't have the trickery of an Emi Buendia or a, a Marcelino Nunez who will, you know, penenka the ball in a penalty shootout. But he's certainly somebody that likes to be in and around the box and his first thought is certainly attacking rather than defending. And maybe that shows itself a little bit in his tracking back at times. But I think in the Championship, if Norwich have a player that contributes that significantly to attacking on a regular basis, it's, it's probably excusable given the position they find themselves in as favourites in almost every single game. So, yeah, I think he can he can really add a lot to the team this season and he's looking like probably an, an astute signing. But you'd like to think there's still potential for him to grow into given his age, reputation, what they paid for him and the way that others have spoken him up. And he's one of those signings you look at and you think Norwich have probably signed him, signed him hoping that he's going to be a, a £30, £40 million player in a couple of years. So... We probably do need to see that. Worth remembering that first Buendia season was very good, but it was eight goals, twelve assists. It wasn't the you know fifteen and seventeen or whatever it was in that second championship season that where he basically stormed it. So Sarah still has some adapting to do to English football and probably to this team. And I think that's probably quite difficult in a team that doesn't really know what it is. You remember every every player that came into a Daniel Farker system, despite them. It's probably a massive culture shift from the sorts of second divisions that they were coming to the championship from. Um, but they came into a side that was renowned for knowing what it wanted to do. Probably went through the principles every single day in training and there was no flinching from those principles. It was quite, I imagine, 
clear to understand. Whereas Sarah's probably come in trying to adapt to a new country and he's got to do it in a team that's trying to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. There's probably not an enormous amount of clarity, especially given he doesn't perfectly speak the language at the moment. There have been a few few players that have praised his English, but he's still got that translator around him a lot of the time. So, you know, there are a few elements that probably mean he's he's still got some potential to grow into, and I think that's only exciting for, for Norwich fans. But, you know, as far as positives go, he's got to be up there um, from this afternoon because... Not much else to, to grab onto, and uh, I thought there were plenty of, of good things that he did. He's, he's not an Inio, is he? Do you know what I mean? He's not yeah, like yeah. a Ronaldinho or a Robinho yeah. where he's really technical and, and you associate with the, the Brazilian flair, but actually his, his, his movement, his runs are so good, so intelligent. In and around the box, he actually reminds me a lot. It's a big, it, and I don't mean in terms of quality, just in terms of the type of runs that he makes. Frank Lampard, in terms of how he reads the ball, how he reads where a ball is going to drop in and around the area. Uh, and and his, his forward running is, is unlike anything I've seen from a midfielder in, in a Norwich shirt in, in recent times, certainly in terms of from deep midfield areas to, to basically run through defences and, and, as you say, cause havoc, disrupt defensive shapes, pull players out of position. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Just needs to find some consistency. And I think I said this last week, but it feels a lot like Mario Vrancic year one. Um, it, it does feel like after the break, second half of the season, we're going to really see Gabi Sara. Um, and when we do, he could be very exciting and could his output could kind of grow pretty, uh, well, a lot. <laughs> could grow pretty a lot. Could grow pretty significantly. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, Adam, uh, uh, Sam said that there's not too many positives to grab onto. I'm going to try, <laughs> try and grab onto a couple more at least. Um, first being Josh Sargent. It's obviously been a good week for him. Called up to the USA squad, probably as we expected. Thoroughly deserved. Interesting to hear that the USA boss say that it was because of kind of his experience in England, given that they face England and Wales in their group. That's an interesting kind of thought process from an international manager. Score today, thought it was a performance that kind of, uh, or a goal, sorry, a finish that kind of summed up where he is in terms of his own confidence. Uh, and then obviously Puki had one where he slipped through and you would usually associate it with a goal. And, and obviously that, that probably summed up where he is at the minute as well. Um, but he heads to the World Cup and I think everyone... Obviously, apart from against England, not that I'm massive in terms of an England supporter, but people will be will be wishing him well, won't they? And, and, and be hoping that he does put his best foot forward on on the world stage, on the biggest stage of all in terms of football. Yeah, he's more than merited his you know place in that squad this season. He's been a, a revelation. I mean, obviously, it's a step down. It's a step down in quality, but I don't just think it's that step down in quality that's made him this good. I think he's worked really, really hard on the training pitch and. It's clear that he's thriving in the system he's playing in at the moment. You know, obviously at the start of the season he was kind of playing as a, a right sort of attacking player, and it just okay. He was still scoring goals, but you could, you know, even just listening to his interviews after games, you kind of got that sense and that hunger in him that he wanted to play through the middle. He's been given that opportunity more frequently recently, and he's taken it. He's one of the top goal scorers in the championship. He works so hard for the team. You know, he sort of he just gets stuck in and. He looks like a man who's full of confidence and I felt that last season I think all it needed was just a few goals and maybe his confidence would have grown and he would have actually kicked on a lot more than what he probably ended up doing but obviously that miss against Brighton and there was a few others over the course of the season probably haunted him and, and maybe prevented him from being the player that he currently is at the moment and I'm really excited to see what he can do against some tough opponents you know I mean if, obviously the US have got to try and get out of the group first but particularly you know in that sort of game against England where he's going to be facing a lot of players that are in the Premier League I think that could really be an indicator of how good he is I mean if he can really perform in that kind of a game then you've got to feel that there'll probably be other you know clubs and, and coaches that'll be looking at him and thinking you know this 
this kid's got talent. He's still a young man, which is something Dean Smith said as well yesterday. And people forget that that you know age profile is still very young. There's a lot of development there, and obviously he got a lot of criticism when he came for came to the club because he wasn't sort of renowned as a goal scorer at Werder Bremen, but. There's certainly a goal scorer there now, and I think if you probably looked at his metrics and his stats, then um, he's definitely probably the top performer in this Norwich City squad this season. Um, and probably, a, I'd say, player of the season at the moment. Obviously, it's still early doors, but he's definitely going to be uh, the forefront. And yeah, really excited to see what we can do on the world stage, particularly you know when everyone's going to be watching and, and gripped. And obviously, the England game, especially everyone's going to be watching that game. So that's a, a really big one for him. And yeah, I can understand why the US coach has gone down that route you know he plays against these players like last season or this season so he knows what it's about and yeah I mean obviously his reaction as well to, to that news yeah. was really really wholesome obviously it was all across uh, social media and it was, it was really great to see because you could just see by that massive grin on his face how hard he's worked for it and his rewards there and I'm really really pleased for him because um, he seems you know like a really really nice bloke and if anyone deserves it then it's him. Yeah, it's the sort of season that he's needed for his personal career as well. He's, he's kind of had two seasons back-to-back where he's been involved in teams that have got relegated and got relegated pretty badly. So it's quite difficult to shine at a Premier League level anyway, but particularly when, when you're in a team like that. So it did feel like he needed maybe that drop-down in level, that rediscovering of confidence, um, that the goals as well naturally help. So that's good. And we will we'll follow his journey in Qatar with, uh, with, with real interest. Um, only Norwich City representative there, of course. Uh, obviously, a couple couple of uh, honourable mentions to to James Madison, who made the England squad. Brilliant news, and and uh, I mean, to me, how it was even a debate is is beyond me. But again, that's a, probably a different pod for a different day. And also Harry Kane, of course, who, who, was, who was once of the once of the parish. I think that's tenuous enough that that Norwich can claim it. Um, so so it'll be good to 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 watch them in terms of England. Um, it's going to be a weird World Cup, but I don't think we're going to, we're going to have time to delve into that today. Maybe we will at the end. Uh, Sam, Mark Atanasi, I think we can say he was here this time. I don't think we'll get in trouble for that. He was definitely at Carrow Road. Uh, he, was, he was out onto the pitch with his, uh, with his wife Debbie, his son uh, as well. That was uh, one of the nice moments of this afternoon. He's, he's obviously been in the city for a few days um, with the AGM, with uh, this, this game. He's, he's had tours of the various sites as well. He's um, been at, at Colney. He's been at... Uh, the nest as well, um, obviously Carroll Road. So he he will obviously get get back on the plane to America. What, what do you think will be his kind of thoughts and feelings on on this trip beyond what the hell have I got myself in for here? I'm joking, of course. Well, I think he's uh, he's a man, thankfully for Norwich fans at the moment, that has conceded he doesn't know the most about football. I'm sure he understood what was happening when goals went in, so he can't be particularly happy. But in terms of the style of play and how dissatisfied Norwich fans are with what's going on there apart from maybe what he's heard and I imagine effort has been made to to keep as little from it as as entering his walls as as possible um but apart from what he's heard I can't imagine he's he's got too negative an assessment it's still a, a new business venture for him and you have to remember this is something he's put quite a lot of his his own money into well an enormous amount obviously of his own money into um and still a new venture so I imagine he's probably still quite excited about it but he's obviously a very smart man he's run uh, a successful um, baseball franchise in a league that operates on a very different scale to the championship and he's himself headed that up it's not a, a sort of slight involvement in that case so he clearly knows you know what the deal is and the fact that he's been exposed to a different model and a different sort of cl- club or 
business within the same arena in terms of sports is probably good news for, for Norwich fans and people that want his inclusion in the club to, to improve their output. But um, at the moment, I imagine it probably feels like very early stages for him. While we're obviously very much in the short term, we we speak about matches for a little bit and then two days after, as is usually the case in the Championship, we speak to the manager about the next match or head coach about the next match. He's probably looking at it thinking, I've got seven years before I have to really make decisions on whether I want these shares or I want my money back sort of thing. And I can't imagine, you know, a couple of Championship losses will have had too much impact on his view of those things. I think as, as long as Norwich are in the sort of top three divisions, it will probably... For the next couple of years, at least, it'll be a bedding-in period. You look at that seven-year investment and when when those decisions need to be made and there could well be two or three head coaches before then and there probably won't be any of the players that are currently playing for him that, that will still be on the books at that point. So he's probably not particularly upset about the losses, but I'm sure he was hoping for a more successful trip to, to Carrow Road. Obviously, he's come over at the time of the AGM. I would imagine that's very much why he's he's here, done an interview with Radio Norfolk. Um, and there's you know there's plenty that he's been up to, but um, yeah he'll be he'll be disappointed I'm sure I thought it actually added a point of optimism in a rare you know it was a very rare injection of optimism at Carrow Road before kick off because this is something a lot of Norwich fans have really wanted for a long time and uh, it's easy to add it into the the mix of frustrating and and disappointing things happening behind the scenes at the football club and and being pessimistic about it but actually when you pick it out and you look at the reaction when we originally broke that story it's something that Norwich fans were and are probably still really positive about so I think to see that reception and to see actually that in the long term there may be a way out and there may be a different way to do things that mean Norwich fans don't have to go through the same pain and the same same old boring story as they are currently I think to see him out on the pitch and, and paraded and that reaction was actually quite refreshing um, so obviously we all hope he can he can have a material impact on the club in the, the probably mid and long term more than in the short term um, but as soon as you go and lose a championship game I can't imagine there are too many Norwich fans sitting um, at home now discussing oh wasn't it brilliant when Atanasio came out you know football is a short term sport and that's very much what people will be focusing on. But yeah, you know, you said you'd look for positives and to be fair, I think you found a couple and and you've probably found one there. So yeah, I thought that was a, a refreshing moment and a nice moment before um, we got into the storm that was that, that loss to Middlesbrough. Indeed. Um, I think we might get a bit of time to speak about the World Cup. The other thing worth mentioning is Norwich City had their AGM. It's uh, covered extensively across their own channels if you want to find out exactly what was discussed in uh, brilliant detail. Um Adam, the World Cup, how are you feeling about it? It's odd, isn't it? It's um it's 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 just odd. It's 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 an odd place to have it, it's an odd time to have it. It's not something that we've ever had before. It's unprecedented. Um use that use that word. It's uh, a precedented use of unprecedented. Um what what do you what do you make of it as a football fan, as someone who who covers Norwich City as well, covers football, just feel and uh, you know, we spoke about this bit pre match, but it's very hard to kind of harbour any kind of excitement for it. 
I mean, I'm probably the most fair weather England fan you'll ever find. You know, I don't watch any. I'm happy to have a competition with you on that. I don't watch really any of the the friendlies, all these meaningless Nations League games. But as soon as the tournament comes around, you'll see me in the pub, um, <laughs> and I'll have an England shirt on, and I'll. We be... have we have the England badged um, oh, face painting. No, on I'm, I'm not quite that quite that far down down the road but I did that I did have a flag on my face see I'm I'm actually allergic to face paint so I I medically can't do it but but yeah you'll see me on on a table in a pub you know when England score but um, (laughs) has he on the table yeah it's been known Um, (laughs) but I don't know this time around it just feels really odd I think because usually you've ended a season you kind of got a month wait till the World Cup and there's all this build up you see all these programmes on the TV and you get the adverts I mean there's a Brazil, Brazil. I mean, you know, those kind of adverts oh, yeah. that just stick with you. And this time I've not seen anything of that nature at all. Um, obviously, it's a lot of negative press for rightful reasons around, you know, the issues surrounding the location of where it's taking place. Um, obviously, also the fact that it's taking place in November. I mean, you know, I could be having my Christmas meal and I could be watching the, the you know, the final, which is just baffles me. And, uh I don't know, I just don't associate this tournament as being a, one that I think is going to, you know, get the country united and that kind of buzz that you see at, like, big fan parks, you know, around London and everyone outside and having a great time in the sun and everyone's going to be wrapped up in a blanket at home in front of the fire watching England versus Wales. It just, I don't, yeah, it just doesn't really fit, feel right to me. It doesn't sit right with me. And the fact that we could potentially be in Swansea on a day that... England are playing, I think it's the quarterfinal, might be the semi-final. It's very presumptive, to, or you're presuming that England are going to reach a quarterfinal. Well, I am presuming there, which is, um, it would probably sum up Norwich City and England's you know, World Cup if they got knocked out um, at the group <laughs> stages, to be honest. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, but it feels really bizarre. I mean, I'd be watching the first game in uh, Belgium and the second game in Amsterdam. So you cultured individual, yeah. Yeah, I've got a little bit of a Euro tour coming up uh, during the break, which quite looking forward to that. Um, and maybe switching off from Norwich, but then I'll probably be just as negative about England. So I kind of feel <laughs> for my girlfriend already because she's gonna have to deal with me if if England lose the opener. I'm gonna be a a real misery. It's just um, yeah, that's a, that's alright. But um, yeah, I'm just not. I'm just not really. I'm just not feeling it. I'm not that excited. Um, I think probably the biggest excitement for me is seeing James Madison in that squad and knowing I like he'll be stuck on the bench for the whole tournament. So, yeah, not really not really feeling it. But if England bring it home, then you'll see me all over social media giving it large and I'll be loving life. So, um, yeah, that sums up me and my fair weather nature with it with England. That was a roller coaster, that, wasn't it? That was a nice inc- <laughs> insight into Adam's life. Bit. I think the singing was the best bit. I, I almost forgot about the singing by the end. Not yeah. quite, but nearly. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was good. I'm, I'm not imagining having a particularly enjoyable uh well it will I'm, I'm sure it'll be enjoyable a bit but i can't imagine it's going to be as uh, as exotic as adam's is um in terms of amsterdam and, and other cities mine probably a, a a good amount of mine will be spent in derby the amsterdam of the east midlands as they call it um do they do they i just have i oh, just right, have okay. it's got a river okay. it's got a river um so <laughs> yeah, it's not a river. yeah, that's what that's what Amsterdam's known for, isn't it? I could get red lights in Derby. Um, <laughs> you've gone for it there. Um, I'll, 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 yeah, at work. I'll, I'll, I can get on a bicycle and get on a bicycle and and no, this, this is a shambles. <laughs> this is shambles. This is shambles. Which was probably uh, we probably reached the um, 
the, the deluded stage of, of the evening, which probably means it's time to end the pod. Adam, Sam, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you all very much for listening as well. Of course, do uh, keep in touch with us over the break. Um, we're planning, I think, to, to keep the podcast semi-regular. They might be a bit World Cup themed. They'll obviously have um, coverage of Norwich City's trip to Tampa, which will be nice for them. Um, not Belgium or Amsterdam or Derby but there we go Uh, and of course we'll have all the coverage across our channels across the break Um, get in touch with us stay in touch with us and uh, yeah there'll be plenty to read on the Pink and Plus app of course if you're yet to subscribe please do so I think that's uh, I think that's everything thank you very much for listening and we'll see you again very very soon switch off try not to think about football until next week Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.